TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Steve Rosenblum. We suck so your self-quarantine doesn't have to. Mark Grody. I think there will be lasting derivatives of this once we get through it. And hopefully we will um, with minimal damage that um, people will be more aware, honestly, of washing their hands and um, and apparently wiping. Apparently wiping. They suck, so you don't have to. They can do what they have to do. They know what they have to do. Now they don't have any problem getting it done. Founding members of the WB Club. Wake and bake. Come on. Where's Toby? So I'm practicing, you know, social distancing and I have a few tips for everybody, you know, you know, no sharing pipes or joints, things like that. The three words that describe this show, and I quote, stink, stank, stunk. It's Saturday suckage on the score. We should be 670 WSUK. Saturday morning, Saturday suckage. We're here for you. We hope to suck so your quarantine doesn't have to. Phase two, phase three, whatever phase you're in, you begin to make your your way out with all the caveats and all the danger and all the frustrations. We're here for you. I'm Steve Rosenblum, and over there, from his boyhood home, from his broadcasting from his boyhood bedroom, complete with a fax machine. And a sewing machine is Mark Grody. No need to ever leave this room with the luxuries that I clearly have here in the western suburbs. And uh, just had a wonderful moment downstairs. As I'm upstairs in my room, my parents are downstairs. And I'm here helping out the rehabbing Gary Grody, who is trying to get his pitching arm back into shape. Uh-huh. And uh, it was, I was downstairs, I was, you know, just waiting to get some coffee, and my mom, it's 10.55, and there's my mom being a mom, saying, it's, it's 10.55, don't you need to get up there to do your show? I said, yeah, no, it's all good. And I, I, like, it's just hilarious. I said, I said, well, I'm waiting to get some, I will bring you the coffee, just, you need to get up. I'm like, <laughs> yes. just, 
It is just, uh, it is beautiful, and I am blessed. And I, I, um, we are here till two o'clock today, Stevie Sunshine. We are, we are, and we are. This is a, this was a quite a week. This, this week wore me out. Um, I have something uh, to share. I'll save it for when we do. What are you doing, Wagner? As far as what I was doing this week, the. The NBA is trying to come back. It still hasn't answered the big question. The NHL is trying to come back. It's got all kinds of plans like the NBA for playoffs. It still hasn't answered the big question. Baseball, you've got millionaires and billionaires fighting over money, as you would expect, and both looking bad and neither looking real hopeful. And the NFL has been dominating the news. And there was a... The week played out. It was, there was a, um, a wonderful coda to the arc of the tone-deaf NFL and, and Drew Brees, I think symbolizing so much of what was important. So can we review what happened this week and, the, and where we got to in the wake of the, the, the murder of a black man in Minnesota by white cops and then subsequently being charged? So the NFL issued a say, statement they didn't mention racism or police brutality. And Eric Reed, who knelt, kneeled with Colin Kaepernick, had something to say about the NFL. You have not denounced the police for their history of murder, nor have you addressed your own oppressive constructs. And in, in his tweet series, he, said, he also said, you aren't trying to change the system. You are the system. So that led to a powerful video done by the players. Did you, did you, what'd you think of the video, Mark? I thought that you used the perfect word just now. Powerful, it, it felt genuine, because so many times when you see group efforts in, in anything, not necessarily pertaining to this or to this topic, it is guys reading from a script, feeling like they have to do what they have to do, promoting whatever it is, whatever, quote good cause it is so it felt genuine it felt powerful and i will say just as a listener it got its message across and it did and it did with some conspiratorial help from inside the nfl offices people there were not happy with what the nfl and roger goodell did one guy went rogue brendan brendan minter what minton went rogue and he contacted Michael Thomas, Breeze's teammate, and and said, I have a plan. And I'm going outside channels, back channels, we're doing this. And his plan was to have the message come from the players. So you should watch the video, but if you haven't, or even if you have, here's the audio from that video. It's been 10 days since George Floyd was brutally murdered. How many times do we need to ask you to listen to your players? What will it take for one of us to be murdered by police brutality? What if I was George Floyd? If I was George Floyd? What if I was George Floyd? 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 I am George Floyd. I am Breonna Taylor. I am Ahmaud Arbery. I am Eric Gardner. I am Laquan McDonald. I am Tamir Rice. I am Trayvon Martin. I am. I am Michael Brown Jr. I am Samuel Du Bois. I am Frank Smart. I'm Philip White. I am Jordan Baker. We will not be silenced. We assert our right to peacefully protest. It shouldn't take this long to admit. So, on behalf of the National Football League, this is what we 
the players would like to hear you state. We, the National Football League, condemn racism and the systematic oppression of black people. We, the National Football League, admit wrong and silencing our players from peacefully protesting. We, the National Football League, believe black lives matter. 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 That is a powerful piece, again, produced with a, a NFL employee on so, and they're part of their social media department going rogue. Now, in between, there was Drew Brees' idiotic statement about Colin Kaepernick's kneeling as a disres- sign of disrespect to the flag. This is the same idiotic argument we heard four years ago. It was never about that. In fact, Colin Kaepernick's kneeling was always about Police, black, white police murdering black men and police brutality. And it was the kneeling was suggested to him by a by a beret, a green beret, an American soldier who said that would make a point. So Drew Brees comes out with that and and he remains, according to that statement, willfully ignorant. In four years, he had not evolved, not advanced, not done any reading, not learned anything. And to the point where his teammates, one of one of whom uh, Malcolm Jenkins eventually would tell him to shut the bleep up. Other players, other teammates piled on. Breeze issued a, a lame apology that was all about him, not about the issues. All about. And anytime you say, I'm sorry if anyone was offended by what I say, then you really have no idea that you what you've done, what's wrong. And then, and then came a surprising, shocking thing. Roger Goodell made a video from that that wonderful 1970s basement. I can't tell if that's a basement from the 70s, Mark, or if that's the inside of a Chevy van from the 1970s. But <laughs> we're all hey, we're all doing whatever we got to do, you know. But did you were you surprised by Goodell's video, and what did you think? Oh, a hundred percent surprised by because. it because I didn't think they would come out and actually call themselves out and be relatively direct about it. And I didn't think that even if they were going to do that, I didn't think they would do that this soon. I figured that that was something that they would wait until they absolutely had to, as in when actual football games started or a week or two before the season started, when they knew that there would probably be action taken by the players during the national anthem or whatever former protest they were going to do, I figured the NFL would wait until they absolutely had to to make any kind of comment or statement about this. So I was heartened by the fact that they actually did say something and that they said, yeah, we're guilty. So I liked it, Steve. I thought it was good. I thought it was on point, too late. I mean, to some degree, but I never thought they would do it. I did not either, and the rogue employees' uh, help in getting that video made by the players was was the the reason was the goosing that made Roger Goodell say this and say exactly what the players wanted him to say as head of the NFL. Here's Roger Goodell's video from last night. It has been a difficult time for our country, in particular, black people in our country. First, my condolences to the families of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, and all the families who have endured police brutality. We, the National Football League, 
condemn racism and the systematic oppression of black people. We, the National Football League, admit we were wrong for not listening to NFL players earlier and encourage all to speak out and peacefully protest. We, the National Football League, believe black lives matter. I personally protest with you and want to be part of the much needed change in this country. Without black players, there would be no National Football League. And the protests around the country are emblematic of the centuries of silence, inequality, and oppression of black players, coaches, fans, and staff. We are listening. I am listening. And I will be reaching out to players who have raised their voices and others on how we can improve and go forward for a better and more united NFL family. And so that's Roger Goodell saying the play, saying exactly what the players wanted him to say. And words are one thing, actions are another. But all he had to do at the moment, all he was able to do at the moment, were, were was show his support, and that's what he did. At the same time, Donald Trump said he um, he was. He, they said that Drew Brees, this is the side, in the sidebar of this story, this second arc, that Drew Brees should not have taken back his original stance on honoring the flag. He doesn't want, Trump doesn't want any kneeling because, again, he doesn't understand what's going on. Drew Brees then issued something that was, uh, issued another statement that, distance himself from his lame statement and from the impeached president. This is Drew Brees' statement on Instagram. Through my ongoing conversations with friends, teammates, and leaders in the black community, I realize this is not an issue about the American flag. It has never been. We can no longer use the flag to turn people away or distract them from the real issues that face our black communities. We did this back in 2017, and regretfully, I brought it up I brought it back with my comments this week. We must stop talking about the flag and shift our attention to the real issues of systemic racial injustice, economic oppression, police brutality, and judicial and prison reform. We are at a critical juncture in our nation's history. If not now, then when? We as a white community need to listen and learn from the pain and suffering of our black communities. We must acknowledge the problems, identify the solutions, and then put this into action. The black community cannot do it alone. This will require all of us. What do you think, Mark? Yeah, I'm thinking throughout all of this that because of a white police officer brutalizing and, and murdering a black man and then to transfer it over to sports, suddenly there was a new credibility gained for Colin Kaepernick and another wave of people understanding or allowing themselves to understand or not being ignorant to the fact that Colin Kaepernick was not kneeling as a sign of disrespect or a protest of the flag, but as a protest to police brutality. Um, so there was another wave of people that I think have been enlightened and do understand now. And if they were like kind of teetering on the fence of it, they, they're like, okay, I, I get this now. Whatever I had thought about what this was about, I'm, I'm quashing that. However, there are still some very powerful people and big voices who still 
don't understand that. And there are, you know, the problem is, is that people don't want to understand it. They don't want to hear it. They want to, they just, they're just looking at the flag and you and I have as much pride in America and in the United States flag as anybody, but it's like, like everybody has been saying, that's not what we're talking about here. We are mm-hmm. not kneeling to protest the anthem. It's not about the flag. And unfortunately, like I said, I think it's good in that more people do understand now, but there's still plenty that don't. That's my takeaway. Uh, a, a good one. A steps still need to be taken. You'll have to, this revolution will have to be done one mind at a time. Michael Thomas, uh, who is a Breeze's receiver, tweeted out after Breeze had rebuked Donald Trump's thoughts, my QB with an arm flex emoji, and then Saints linebacker Demario Davis tweeted out, and this is really important because it goes way beyond, it it goes to Drew Breeze and goes to everyone. A big part of leadership is admitting when you were wrong and correcting your mistake. A model that all of America can follow, admit the wrong done to the black community, fix the issues, and we all move forward together. Let's all stand together now and find solutions. So that that is, we connected the dots for what happened in a, a, in a most emotional story arc this week. We've seen idiocy and ignorance. We've seen loud, angry clapbacks. We've seen an evolution in the NFL and a Hall of Fame, future Hall of Fame quarterback. The learning curve, then a helping hand, that's a powerful combination, one that's desperately needed today, tomorrow, forever. Somebody who, a former bear, who was part of that learning curve, a different learning curve in the city, organized a bunch of Chicago athletes, and they went through something called healing circles. We will discuss that with Sam Sam Macho after this, we'll take a break now. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Rohde, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Welcome in, welcome back. Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Brody with you this Saturday. We, uh, we're going to go to the Alpamonte Ford hotline, Alpamonte Ford in Melrose Park, and welcome in former Bear, Sam Ocho. Sam, welcome to The Score. Welcome back to The Score, I should say. How are you today? I'm great. How are you guys? It's good to be back. We're, we're happy to have you. We're doing well. Um, 
why don't you describe, share with the class, the what what happened yesterday, what you were a part of, who was a part of it, and and what the what the um, what the idea was. Yeah, well, uh, I think what happened, what happened a few days ago on Thursday in in the West Side of Chicago, we got players from each Chicago sports team to come together and, and sit and listen to some of the pain that has been going on in our community. Uh, so we have Mitch Trubisky and Allen Robinson from the Bears. Yeah, Jason Hayward and Jason Kipnis from the Cubs. Yeah, Jonathan Taze and, and Malcolm Subban from, from the Blackhawks. Yeah, Ryan Archidiacono and, and Max Struess from the, from the Bulls. And then we had uh, Tyler Lancaster and and Austin Carr, two Northwestern grads uh, who both play in the NFL now. We just got together with kids in the community and some police officers, and we, we had healing circles. We sat and we listened to some of the, the, the pain that they're going through and try to find some solutions uh, to this world, to, to the world's race problems. Sam, thanks again for coming on. This is Mark. I really appreciate you, you know, coming on so promptly with us. And, you know, this is a, a fantastic, I got so much positive feedback from people when I put this up on social media, that the names involved, exactly what you guys are doing. I don't know what you can share from, from yesterday, but what are some ideas um, for solutions? What are some of the things that did come up that, that we can hear and possibly learn from and apply ourselves. Yeah, well, without a doubt, the, the, well, the, what really came out, really stood out was when we, after the healing circles, we took a ride around the west side of Chicago. And the situation was already bad there, but now it's dire with the riots and the looting that has gone on. Uh, pe- people may not know this, but uh, certain, certain areas in Chicago are, are food deserts. So as we took that ride around, about 30-minute bus ride, we saw one, one grocery store, and over 10 liquor stores. And so these kids have no food to eat. And the grocery store was, was, had been looted. The kids had no, no food to eat. So what we're talking about doing now is trying to get the people together and, and, and buy up one of those liquor stores and turn it, turn it into a, a food mart, a grocery store that the kids can run, the kids can manage, they can get entrepreneurial skills, they can uh, learn how to, how, to, how to invest in their own communities and then have access to actual food to eat healthy foods. And that's just uh, step one. That's a step one. We believe that's an easy step. The bigger step is, is partnering with some of these organizations like the By the Hand Club for Kids. It's been there for 15 years on the West Side, like uh, the West Side Health Authority. They've been there for 50 years. Partnering, partnering with these organizations who are on the verge of making huge substantive changes and saying, how can we help you all redevelop the entire com- community? And that's what the kids said. They said, we need to help. We need, we need help. We need you. Not only do we need you to show up, which is great to hear, talk, and listen, but come back, right? So we need your time. We need your, your voice to let people know what's going on, and we need your resources from everybody, not just the pro athletes. That's what came out of it. Everybody needs to show up and, and help, help solve this issue. Our guest on the score is former Bear Sam Ocho. Uh, we're talking about an event on Thursday where um, he and several athletes uh, – from Chicago, all the Chicago teams went into the community. Sam, what you mentioned healing circles. That's not a something I'm familiar with. So explain what happens in a healing circle. How does it look? What is said? What goes on? Yeah, so it's uh, it's, it's a very simple idea. It's uh, What happens is we get together in groups. Like I said, we have about 30 kids, and 
about 10, 10 or so different athletes. Brittany Payton came out as well. Uh, you know, the, the daughter of Walter Payton, she was there as well. And we got together in groups of about eight to nine people per group, about six kids, one or two officers, one or two pro athletes. And we just sat and asked each other a couple questions. How do you feel about what's going on in society? Like, how, how do you handle that? What do you do with that? Uh, then we went to another question. What do you do with, uh, with, with what you're feeling right now, the emotions that you feel right now? And then lastly, we said, how do, you, how do we solve it? What are solutions? Um, and so that was the thing. It was just a, uh, really an opportunity. What I heard was for some of the kids to vet to police officers and say, hey, I don't know if I'm going to be next. A lot of these kids are African-Americans, 13, 14 years old. I don't know if I'm going to be met next. And they meet some of the, the good guys, the good cops. And they're wondering, man, why don't we hear more stories about you? All I see are the stories about the cops who are killing people like George Floyd, like Breonna Taylor. That's all I hear. Um, why don't we hear more stories about you? And so I think that the big takeaway was that we need to invest in these communities. We need to show up and not just we need to burst out of our bubble. Yeah, I think show up is is such an important part, and that and that in part might answer my my next question, and and that is, we're we're at a point right now where everybody is rightfully outraged about what happened, and we've all been outraged before. We're all throwing posts up on social media. We're letting out our anger on the radio, but Sam, what? What do we do? What do I'll just say? What do I do? What does Steve do to keep this intensity, this reform, this anger at a ten, as opposed to letting it decrease the the decrescendo like it always does, and then we go back to being unfortunately normal? What what do we do today and going forward to keep the alertness and the action at a ten this time around? Without a doubt. Well, there's three steps. There's three steps. They all take investment, but the investment, trust me, is worth it. Number one, educate yourself. Um, educate yourself on what's going on, not only in your history, American history, but out, allow yourself to see American history through an African-American lens. There's a couple of really good books. Uh, one is called Under Our Skin by Benjamin Watson. It talks about what life is like for an African-American in this country. Uh, there's another book called Divided by Faith. that talks about just the race relations in this country, another book called Jesus, Jesus and the Disinherited. You know, some of these books Martin Luther King Jr. walked around with as he was going around and teaching. So let's educate ourselves, even looking back to just some of the history of, of some of the uh, uh, America's often untold history. So number one, educate. Number two, empathize. Empathize with your brothers and sisters who don't look like you, with other Americans who do not look like you. I'm an African-American man. Um, and my experience in this world is different than people who, who, who are white. It just is. I've been uh, pulled over for no reason. I've had the Amy Cooper situation. We all know Amy Cooper in Central Park who said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call the police and tell them that an African-American male is threatening my life. That's happened to me before. Someone's threatened to call the police knowing that, the situ knowing that she could weaponize her, 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 her privilege in that sense, right? So, so empathize with, once you educate yourself, empathize with the people who are are hurting. And lastly, you have to take action, um, be an advocate. And that action, like I, like I said, looks like partnering with, uh, shoot, follow me, like partner, follow me as we work with by the hand. We're working on a, a comprehensive plan. There are, there's already a 64-page uh, uh, business plan about how we can redevelop the whole community holistically from an educational standpoint, from a health and wellness standpoint, 
from a job opportunity standpoint, you know, if they're already, you know, organizations uh, that are already on the ground, they're already doing it. You know, I, I look at just, like I said, we had kids from, from, from three organizations, the Bobby Hand Club for Kids, Westside Health Authority, and Build Chicago. And, and, and one of the young girls from that organization, she said, ever since this, y'all built this building, this Bobby Hand Club for Kids, ever since y'all built this building in my community, she said, my community feels a lot homier now. Imagine that, right? It feels a lot homier. Yeah. So, so partner with organizations like Bobby and, and, and join me. Feel free to reach out to me. My email is achobutler at, at gmail.com. Email me. Uh, I'll, I'll let you know. Follow me on social media. Like, we're not going anywhere. This is, uh, this is a, a turning point for America, and it's not something that's going to go away, and we don't want it to go away. So let's be a part of the solution. Let's be a part of making substance, substantive change with organizations who are already doing the work. Our guest is Sam Ancho, former bear, talking about t- talking about how everyone can help. And when you talked about the kids, Sam, um, I, it, kids kids can be honest and guileless. Sometimes they can be very afraid to say something, especially in the presence of a police officer, because that res- that represents to them. Uh, as, as I've tried to educate myself, that repre- represents a threat that mm-hmm. to their health, they mm-hmm. might not survive. And we saw that play out and in in horrible, horrifying, brutal video. How were these kids that you were dealing with and were they able to get across points that the, what, what jumped out at you about the thing, what things they said or how they said them? Yeah, well, the the biggest thing that jumped out to me was the trauma. Mm. It was the trauma. I mean, we all have essentially watched homicide, um, whether from our phones or on on the news. We've seen a man killed. We weren't created to see violence like that. Our bodies weren't made to take that in. And so not only is there a collective trauma from the entire state, United States of America, but now you've got a 13, 14, 15 year old kid who may have already experienced a lot of that trauma, but now you see it play out on a national scale. And so I saw trauma and I also felt a lot of hopelessness. I heard one of the kids say, nothing's going to change. Why would I even say anything? Nothing's going to change. And, and, and that's why I say that's why we have to show up. You know what I mean? Like, that's why we have to show up. The, the, the alderman was there as well. Um, you know, uh, pretty much the she, she's running that district. And so we're trying to put pressure on her and on the mayor to show up. But oftentimes the politicians don't show up. You got I mean, they look up. People look up to athletes. People look up to people on the radio. People look up to people who care for them. You don't have to have a title. You have to just care and show up. And so I saw hopelessness. And when I heard that comment about about things aren't going to change, that for me sparked something that said, no, we got to do something. We have to do something. Don't let it go away. It's, it's, it's all of our responsibilities uh, to show up. Like I said, specifically, there's organizations in Chicago that are doing the work. The Build, Build Chicago is one of them. Um, the West Side Health Authority is another. Those are some of the kids who were there. By the Hand Club for Kids, those organizations we work with. And there's many, many more. And so show up. It doesn't take a celebrity to show up. It takes a heart, somebody who cares. Show up, invest, empathize, and take action. It, it is jarring to, to hear that a child would say, 
nothing's going to change to have that unfortunately that perspective and that adult of a perspective is jarring but you said uh sam that this is a turning point for america what would make this a turning point as opposed to the the previous injustices and white uh, police brutality on black men what would make this different what would make this a turning point as opposed to previously well because we can't get away from it right everybody's been quarantined we've all been at home for the last three months uh, on our phones or on tv there's no work really to distract you there's no football there's no basketball there's no baseball there's no hockey to distract you so it's almost as if the curtain has been pulled back and we get a chance to see the world see america for what it is a, a country that has been divided um, by its, by its, by its, uh, the black eye, right? Slavery, slavery. Everyone, everyone talks about, uh, you know, America, the land of the free and the home of the brave. But 400 years ago, slaves were brought on ships to America and many slaves helped build America, even the white house. I, I got a chance to, to go to an exhibit and see a slave, ma- slave made brick from the white house. Mm. Going back to, uh, 150 or so years ago, going back to 1865, slavery is abolished, right? You think there's freedom, but then you see a new era of Jim Crow laws that keep African-Americans oppressed. You see new systems put in place that keep African-Americans in jail or dead. And so the curtains have been pulled back and we can't get away. And so as much as everyone wants to go back to life as usual, we thought that after COVID, we'd be able to go back to life as usual, but we can't. We all watch with our own two eyes the murder of an, of a, of an unarmed African-American man named George Floyd, who had a, a, a white man, a police officer, had his knee on his neck as he cried for his mom. I want my mom. I cannot breathe. And three officers Sam, stood idly by. So I think uh, it's not going away. Sam Macho is our guest here on The Score. We're talking about the... Let's talk about the events of the week. Sam, what is your take on the, the video put out by NFL players with the help of a rogue employee in the NFL office who didn't like the NFL's first response and then Roger Goodell's response? And then at the end of the week, there was Roger Goodell's response. And then there was Drew Brees rebuking the impeached president. What did you think of all that? Yeah, it was an interesting week out. I'll start with Drew Brees. I remember seeing his comments, his initial comments, and I was hurt by them because the lie has been perpetuated that there's a a protest against the flag, right? Like, oh, we're against the flag. People are against the flag. Whereas, as everyone knows or should know, a piece, this, the peaceful protest that Colin Kaepernick took, taking a knee, right? Drew Brees said, I'll, I'll never take a knee. Never see right take a knee initially is what he said during the anthem. So a press against the anthem, against the flag. And it was always against injustice. It was always against the, the killing of unarmed African-American males. And so that, that storyline was somewhat shifted. And so to hear Drew Brees kind of um, perpetuate that mistruth hurt. But then to see him come back, and apologize. I was actually hanging out with one of his teammates the next day, and he actually showed up late to the thing we were doing because Drew Brees had a call with all of his teammates apologizing. Drew Brees went back and went on social media and made it, and, 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 and like you said, had a had a statement to the president. He went back and made a video and apologized and said, "Hey, I was wrong. I didn't realize I was wrong." 
right? So I applaud him for apologizing. I applaud, applaud people for saying, oh, wow, it's okay for someone to apologize. Number one. Number two, Goodell's statement. I applaud Roger Goodell um, for admitting that systemic oppression does exist in America. Now my charge to him would be to take action. I, I recently wrote an article with the Players Tribune uh, that talked about, action, about, about actionable steps on how to solve the NFL's race issue. And I think there's a couple easy things. You can go check it out in the article. But one of them is, is, is the owners need to understand that they are a part of the problem. Uh, they're part of the problem. So they need to understand what bias looks like. They need to get educated on history. We talked about the education. Uh, they need to learn about the 1921 race riots where um, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, over 300 African-Americans, at least we don't even know how many, were killed on what we call Black Wall Street because because white people didn't like the fact that black people were thriving. No one talks about that. You, know, you don't learn about that in your history class. There needs to be an educational piece. And there needs to be real action to what Roger Goodell said. Yeah, and Goodell said he was going to reach out to some players. Don't you think the first person that he should reach out to is Colin Kaepernick? Well, there's an army of players that 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 he needs to reach out to. Right? Colin's one of them. I'm one of them. Malcolm Jenkins. There's a long list. Malcolm Jenkins. A long list of players <laughs> who have been offering solutions for a long time. And so, I appreciate him listening. Now I just want the owners who he works for to back it up. Sam, I, I want to underscore your point about education. I um, went back this week and began to reread James Baldwin's The Fire Next Time. Mm-hmm. This feels like The Fire Next Time. It includes a letter to his nephew, his namesake nephew, written uh, in 63, which was a hundred years after the Emancipation Proclamation. And mm-hmm. what he said in that resounds today. And mm-hmm. it, it, it made me feel, having seen the video of it, having read the words before, it did not resonate the way it did now because I have pictures to go with the words. I think all of America has a picture to go with the words. I would recommend reading The Fire Next Time. This is The Fire Next Time, I think. And I also think that it is it gives a, a, a level of education to the depth, the degree, the, the time that this has been going on because everything he's describing in that letter, in that book, was from, from the late 50s to the early 60s when he compiled it and wrote it, is continues to happen to black America. I just wanted to share your, mm-hmm. underscore your, 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 your point about education. We have to be better, and the only way we can evolve is to learn. And I want to thank mm-hmm. you for joining us today. Yeah, you know, I, I, um, one last thing. I went to the number one rated private school in the United States, a school, a school called St. Mark's in, in Dallas, the number one rated private school, uh, predominantly white school. It's, like I said, it's rated number one. And but before that, I started there in about second, third grade. But before that, I went to a predominantly black school in the south side of Dallas uh, called Fellowship Christian Academy. And and I remember just the transition living in these two different worlds of, of being in first and second grade and learning about black heroes, learning about American history through an African-American lens. People like Fritz Pollard, who was the first African-American coach in 1921. Learning about people like him, right? Learning about these heroes all around. And then I fast forward second, third grades. 
all the way to a graduation. And, and what I saw in my history books wasn't a representation of America. Uh, we might have had one week of African-American history learn about Martin Luther King and, and Harriet Tubman. Uh, but we never learned about, as I mentioned, the race riots. We had race riots in, of, of Tulsa in 1921. We had a, a quick gloss over of the three-fifths law when African-Americans were given the right to vote, but they only were worth three-fifths of a vote. We learned very little, uh, if anything, about about the Jim Crow laws. And so I think that America needs to take it upon itself to go back and re-educate itself and, 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 and say, hey, there are faults and there are wrongs. Uh, and they, we need healing. We need to, to, for lack of better terms, repent, right? Turn the other way. I, I may not have owned slaves, right? Oh, it's not my fault, but there are systems in place, right, Mike? Things that are that are being done, I'm benefiting from it, right? I, I, Amy Cooper can can say she can weaponize her whiteness. She can say, "I'm going to call the police and tell them I am in fear for my life because an African American male is here." She knows when she says that that her odds of winning whatever happens that in that situation are high. She knows. Uh, I think we all know, right? 1955, Emmett Till was accused of something something similar. A white woman said that he whistled at her. And later on, Emmett Till was drugged by by his neck on a car, mutilated. He was lynched based off of a rumor. And the the woman who said that went back a few years ago, actually, and recanted her story. Said, I lied. And the the men who who did it, they admitted that that they did it. So so, so I just wonder, um, as you mentioned, how far have we really come? How far have we really come? And so, and so I, my charge would be to, to, to look at that history, but don't stop there. Um, understand that this is, this, is, this did happen, and now let's be a part of moving that solution forward. Let's invest in the communities, African-American communities. Um, let's fight for justice. And let's act like George Floyd was our brother or our, our father or our son, right? What wouldn't you do to see justice if, if that was somebody who you knew? Sam, thank you very much. The, the groups that you were dealing with, the groups that people can contribute their time and money to, by the hand, build and Westside Health Authority. I have that right? Yeah, you got that right. You got that right. And we're, we'll be invested. So if anybody wants to uh, join with me, like we're trying to get all the uh, pro athletes from every Chicago team, um, collegiate athletes. Um, everyday athletes, weekend warriors, anybody who wants to join this mission of seeing Chicago change, like I said, um, follow me on social media or reach out to me by email, butler at gmail.com. If you want to see change happen, um, it can happen. We just got to be committed to it. Thank you for your time um, and continue the good work. Thank you, Sam. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks, man. Sam Ocho. Hey, Steve. Let me give the the list of uh, yeah the Sam Acho. Let me give the list of guys that were part of this yesterday. I know that it, that Sam gave some of the names, but and some of the politicians as well. Alderman mm-hmm. um, Emma Mitz, Congressman Danny Davis was one of those to speak to the group, the players. Of course, Acho, Mitchell Trubisky, Alan Robinson, Ryan Diarchino or Diacono of the Bulls, Max Struess, the former Blue Demon, now Chicago Bull. 
Jason Hayward, Jason Kipnis of the Cubs, Jonathan Taves, uh, Malcolm Subban of the Blackhawks, their backup goalie, Tyler Lancaster, who is an, uh, or a Northwestern alum, currently with the Packers, Austin Carr, a Northwestern alum, currently with the Saints. So those are the names, and hopefully that list will continue to grow. And uh, always great to hear from Sam Acho. He always had an awesome voice inside the Bears locker room when he was there. Um, and now he's using his voice for some some super good causes, obviously. Yes, we went long on that because it was just so compelling. We hope you found it the same way. I'm Steve Rosenblum. He's Mark Grody. We'll take a break here. Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. Welcome in, welcome back. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Brody with you. Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7. Score Saturday, suckage. Rather serious, heavy stuff. Uh, but important stuff. Especially a quite the emotional week. Momentous week. In the NFL. Quite the arc. And while, the, while this is going on, Mark, I came across this. Dave Robinson, a professional, a Hall of Famer, former Packer. He was on a Wisconsin sports talk station, The Fan. And he said, Vince Lombardi was questioned by people in town, why are you wasting draft choices on black guys in the first round? Lombardi said, the only colors in Green Bay are green and gold. I love that. Wow. That's, that's the right answer. That's especially right at answer. that time, especially at that time. That's that's uh, unfortunately he was ahead of his time. Yes, he was in a lot of ways. He was. It was that was that was quite the Sam Ocho is quite the man. Uh, again, by the hand, the group called Build B U I L D and Westside Health Authority. They'll they'll take your your time, your money, both of them. You can help. You can help on. Uh, and um, and make the community better, reaching, just lending a hand, reaching out. Educate, empathize, and take action. It's a pretty simple plan he laid out. It is, and that, to me, was the most important part. It's the, the, the taking action, of course, educate. And yeah, those, those kinds of books. I mean, I, I, have, I, am, I have not read those books, but... You know, I'm, I'm lucky to have seen some documentaries, which I think are similar to those books, probably, and lay out, you know, why, um, you know, the, the African-American community um, is still oppressed and that it is systematic. And I, I think those are words that people hear, but they don't actually understand it. But I think taking action is the most important part. And I'm guilty. I, I am one of those who has... Yes, voiced an opinion, said, oh, this is bad, this is awful, this shouldn't happen, and then within two weeks it's we're back to normal and I'm not saying anything and I'm not taking action and I'm not putting stuff up on social media. So I think it's important that, you know, that I take action and that others do it too so we don't let this, you know, start to fall down. You know, I don't think I'm a racist person. But I'm sure that I have not done enough to quell racism. I've probably allowed people to be racist. Um, so, you know, I think that 
I probably speak for a lot of people in, in that regard because, you know, life is relatively comfy for me and I think we all need to get out of our comfort zone. So I hope I do that. That's for sure. I felt the same kind of regret and guilt and inadequacy and helplessness as well this week. Um, I'll share that in greater detail later in the show. We will do, I think at one o'clock we'll do, what are you doing, Wagner? And I will share it then. Um, and, and I will, in the meantime, the Bulls made news, are making news, sort of. It's not the news you hope for. Jim Boylan has not been fired yet. We're going to find out why or how close he is to that point. Uh, the uh, If you build it, they will come. Right. And sure. if you fire them, they will cheer. So we will, Arturis Karnaschovas was on the horn today. Cody Westerland of the score was there. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll get from Cody what the uh, what Ace King, AK, had to say and why he hasn't fired Jim Boylan. I'm Steve Rosenblum. He's Mark Grody. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.